Well, it's been a crazy week. Or maybe not. Maybe your week's been totally, like, just normal, right? It's been a crazy week, and everyone has their own context. My kids were in school. I got an email from the teacher saying, we're not canceling school. And then the next thing we know, the next day, the same teacher goes, oh, yeah, we're canceling school. So um, it's just been one of those days. And no matter what industry you work, work in, I know that it affects you uh, in some form or fashion. I'm a pastor, so I have uh, spent most of this week uh, preparing for what are we supposed to do as a church? How do we function as a church? On Monday, I, I got a hold of uh, our elders and trustees and I said, hey, let's have a meeting. But unfortunately, we had to do it Thursday, which wasn't, you know, but it just, it worked out that way. Um, it was an interesting time to meet on Thursday because we had this meeting to decide what to do after I spent all week long figuring out how do we do church. And then hours before our meeting, all these things began to break and there was this tidal wave of news conferences and things being canceled, and we, had, we happened to walk in while all that was taking place, and we had a meeting to discuss how do we do church. And so we're here. You have the answer to how we do church. At least right now, we're doing it this way. But I think there's a greater question than how we do church. It's how are we, as a church, supposed to be at a time like this? What does it mean to be the church at a time like this? Not how, what does it mean to gather? How are we going to gather? How are we going to do our program? Or how are we going to fulfill our, our routine? I think it's far more important to say, how are we going to be the church at a time like this? If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn with me to First Peter chapter 5. And this is not the, a deep dive into the book of First Peter. If this was an a series going through the book of Peter, I wouldn't start in chapter 5. But I do feel like this is the text for today, a brief message to set us up for a time of prayer as we pray for our, our community. First Peter chapter 5, Peter, as you're turning, Peter, Peter writes this book to encourage Christian believers to stand firm and endure what they were suffering. They were suffering. They had a uniquely challenging time. Their circumstances are different than our circumstances, but yet the truth that he gives them for their day and how they should go about their circumstance applies to us. Let me give you a little background before we read chapter 5. You can take a quick peek at the very end of chapter 4. What's your subtitle say? Suffering as a Christian. Peter lets them know that... um, They shouldn't be surprised by trials. They shouldn't be surprised because if they were surprised, they could become overwhelmed. If they were overwhelmed, they would begin to question God's protection, God's provision, even God's love. You know, this advanced warning helps Peter's audience prepare for what is to come so their faith is not threatened in the midst of their trials. And their trials were heavy. We have a unique circumstance. It still needs to say, but we still have to answer the same question. What does it mean to be the church in our circumstances? First Peter chapter 5, we're going to start with verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Now let me stop and say, wait a minute, isn't he talking to like the leaders of the church? He is. We're going to get there, but this is, this is like my instruction, right, as a pastor. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, 
not for, shame, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your, advers- your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your, brother- by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So that first four verses is a message to the elders of the church. The leaders of the church, um, there were elders that led the church. We, we, if, we would talk, if we're going to talk ecclesiology and about elders and bishops and overseers and all the different words the Bible uses uh, in the New Testament for church leaders, j- just get the overall arching thing that he's speaking to the elders. He's speaking to the leaders of the church. I know we have elders at Radiant, and they're a group that are like my spiritual advisors, um, not exactly one-for-one exchange, but a very similar thing. But these are the leaders of the church. Can I just say that leaders of the church are not necessarily leaders of the church just because they're older people. At the same time, um, what we see is the description that Paul gives them is that they are the ones who are taking care of the flock. They are the leaders of the church. Then we get to five verses. So really what he says is lead by example. Let's just summarize those first four verses that way. Lead by example. And here's where it gets to the church. There was a message to the elders in the first four verses. Now we have a message for the church. Verses five. We're starting in verse five. Here's the message to the church. You who are young, which the congregation, back in the day, in that time and place, the people who led the church would have been older. And the congregation would have been younger. Like I said, it's not necessarily, age doesn't necessarily qualify you to lead. And youth doesn't necessarily disqualify you to lead. I'm 41 years old, and um, I happen to be the pastor of this church. So and maybe you feel like I'm disqualified, but that's another issue altogether. But at that time and place, you're going to have the elders. So that was a proper term to use for those who led the church. Look at verse 6. Because what I really want to do is set up our time for prayer, give us a little direction as we go into prayer and as we go into this next unknown season of ministry as a church. The ESV I read is humble yourself. The New Living Translation says, dress yourself in humility. When you recognize, um, when we recognize our fallenness, our propensity to sin, we are less likely to be offended by others, right? That's what humility does. One commentator said this, he goes, humility is the oil that allows relationships in the church to run smoothly and lovingly. The oil, think of an engine that has oil that kind of lubricates the parts so they don't grind together. And sometimes in the church, we grind and there's friction, right? See, it's pride that it gets upset when things don't go our way. It's our pride when things, people don't agree with us or people don't follow us or they don't listen to us. 
that's, that's the pride that sets in. He's saying we should be humble in our interaction with one another. We should take positions of humility. Then he quotes Proverbs 33, 34. Peter does. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but uh, I need grace. And if he gives grace to the humble, then I'm going to put myself in a place to receive grace. If we were to define humility, and I think perhaps depending on your church background or your family dynamic, um, I had a definition of humility that I think now, I know now is probably incorrect. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not having a low self-view or self-worth. It's, it's really having an accurate assessment of who you are in comparison having an accurate understanding of who you are with an attitude that shows submission that God is the ultimate authority, or recognition even that others are better than you in some things. If you can't do that, that's, that's, that's a tough way to live. I mean, be even more than okay with it. Celebrate it, that God has gifted others in some great ways that you're not gifted. There's an, an accurate assessment of our own limits. There's humility. And really quickly, if I were to answer the question, what does it mean to be the church today? How, how can we help? How can we make a difference? How can we impact our world at, for such a time as this? It would be this from this text. Peter's instruction to be humble is that the humble are in the best position to be helpful. It's in humility that we, have, we are positioned to be helpful, the most effective, with the greatest impact. This is not what Jesus did when he gets up from the table and wraps a, a towel around his waist and washes the disciples' feet. That was a place of humbling himself with a great impact as a servant. As far as I'm concerned, if, if being humble is the best place, the best position to be helpful, then, then we as the church ought to be and really are in the best place if we can remember who we are, what we've been given. We've been given something we don't deserve. And we've not been given what we do deserve. That's a pretty humbling thought. So what do we do? I told you this was a brief message. We're like, we're in the home stretch. We're right in third base. And we're going to take some time to pray. Actually, Phil's going to come to the piano. First, I would say, well, obviously, let's walk in humility. Can I add, besides walking in humility is a term that we always hear, like it's pretty, it's pretty uh, generic. Let me be a little more specific. How, how about we talk in humility? How about we post in social media in humility or disagree in humility? We live in a culture and a world that doesn't know how to be civil and disagree. We're above that because we follow Christ's lead. See, everyone has, an, everyone has an opinion, very frankly, about what we should be doing at a time like this. Everyone has an opinion on how much toilet paper you should be buying. Everyone has an opinion on whether or not you should just go to the grocery store or the grocery store and the drugstore or just pick one. I mean, like, everyone has an opinion on, on one thing, and um, that's Okay. I don't think we're all going to agree and believe the same like, details of how this fleshes out. 
if we're doing it with humility and we're doing it with love for others in the community, we, we make choices. I, I, um, I know the struggle. I watched it on Facebook. I belong to a pastor's Facebook group. And uh, all week long, everyone's preparing for how do we do church outside the box? How do we do church instead of, you know, stream our services and sanitize our buildings? And, and what do we do with kids' ministry and volunteers? What do we do with the donuts? That was the world I was living in. Some of you are like operating on surgeons. I'm talking about donuts. Like, what do we do with donuts, you know? And then Thursday happened with all these announcements. Boom, 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 boom. Tidal wave. And the helpful, encouraging group of pastors split into two camps pretty quickly. Those who cancel service and those who don't. And what I saw was actually sad. Um, a group of pastors, colleagues, on the same team, working for the same goal, with different decisions that were made in their boardrooms, began to self-righteously accuse the other side, the, the, the people who made the decision that were different than them. There was no humility. There was a lot of pride. There was a lot of self-righteousness. One side accused the other of a lack of faith. If they, if they canceled service, it's like, well, you have a lack of faith or you have fear and panic. But really, if you sat down and talked to them and heard, heard them out, they would say, we feel it's socially responsible. The other side said, well, you're, you're not being socially responsible. But if you sat down and listened to them, they said, I think we're offering hope. Look at what just happened in the last two hours on the news. We want to bring balance to some of this crazy TP um, panic. Let's bring some stability, some normalcy in some abnormal world. Listen, I'm not going to declare one the winner. One. You do what's right. You seek the Lord and you pray and you come at different decisions and determinations. Who are we to say that they didn't seek the Lord and, and hear. So we are meeting. But if you're with us online, I love you, and I'm glad you're home. Some of you might should, should be home, actually. Walk in humility, talk in humility, and in our world today, post in humility. You have to be careful about assigning motive. I think the enemy would love to, to split the church based on how we handle critical, high emotional moments like this. Not split it literally, but like set us one up against the other. Be careful about assigning motives. Oftentimes when we do, we're wrong and we unnecessarily damage a relationship. The next thing was this. Let's take the position of a servant. Let's serve one another. Let's serve our neighbors. And if you want to know who your neighbor is, ask Jesus. He'll tell you who your neighbor is. Let's serve this community. We've already mentioned that during the offering today. As a congregation, we want to find ways that our church can be helpful during this season. I mentioned dinners are on us. Um, I think that's well within social distancing. It's like a fast food drive through Let's feed people. Let's take the position of a servant in our workplaces. I know you might be working from home, but you have the opportunity 
to serve, especially those who don't know Christ. Here's an opportunity to show Christian love, compassion. If you look through church history, I don't know, do you guys see the, if you follow me on, if you're, if we're friends on Facebook, you may have seen I shared something about the church in Caesarea in the first few centuries, of the church's existence, and there was plague after plague after plague, and the church stood there and ministered and served. It's not about how do we conduct our program, it's about how do we best be the church. Let's take a position of a servant to this community. And then we're going to pray. That's the third thing. If we're going to flesh out being humble so that we could be the most helpful, we need to pray. And prayer is humbling. People who don't like to pray are usually pretty prideful, I know, because I am one, because I think I got the answers. I think I could figure it out. I think I could figure this out. God, just help me with my efforts. I don't need to pray long and listen to your voice because I got the plan. But it's humbling to say, God, I have no idea what to do. Lord, this is beyond me. I know what needs to happen, but I can't do that. Lord, would you bless them and not me? God, I need your strength and wisdom because I'm lacking. Prayer is humbling. So we're going to take a moment and end this service. Well, we're going to end the service with a song, but we're going to take a moment in this service to, to pray. I know, like, there's news out there on social media. This is a, a special day of prayer, and it is. And I, I thought it'd be foolish to come to church and uh, give it lip service and not actually pray. So what I want to do is, Phil's going to play here. I want to give you opportunity to, to pray where you're at. You, you can stand up. You can walk around. You do what you find a place of prayer. You can kneel. You can join with the person next to you. We want to pray that the church, not just Radiant, but the church, God's church, would shine at a time like this. We want to pray for our community, for our local government, for our officials who are, who are making decisions and, 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 and helping. We want, to, we want to pray for our nation. We want to pray for healthcare workers. I got a message from somebody on Facebook that said, pray for the retail workers. Those who are out there interacting with people because the world still has to take go on. Life still has to happen. You still need groceries. Let's pray for the people who are most vulnerable to becoming the sickest when and if they were to get this thing. Listen, I, I want to say something about, and I, I said it earlier, about opinions on this thing. I've heard all kinds of opinions on this thing how serious it is, or it's not. My mind is spinning. And I don't really care if it's this or this. I care, can I live my life? Can we as a church be the church for a time like this? No matter what the details are, the behind, I don't know. My head's spinning. I'm taking care of me. Let's take care of us. Let's pray for those who are vulnerable. God gives us, uh, let's pray that God gives us wisdom to navigate the tension that we live in between reaching out and actually social. Listen, I've read a lot about social distancing. I didn't go to bed till 3.30 this morning. Um, I didn't go to sleep till 3.30 this morning. I've read a lot about social distancing and I, I believe in it. There's some, a, lot, a lot I need to think about with that. 
on how we proceed. Um, but we have to navigate the, the tension between social distancing and reaching out. We're not gonna go in hiding. I don't wanna move to some cave, unless you have indoor plumbing in your cave. I don't wanna move there. But there's a tension there. All I know is I won't, I won't, I won't, and I joked about toilet paper. Let me take that back. I don't give, I won't give anyone grief for buying toilet paper. We bought toilet paper. I bought toilet paper way before the, the wave happened. We have six people, seven people in our home. You can't actively serve well if your home is a mess anyway. So take care, buy your toilet paper, you're set. Now you're in a healthy position to actually serve and look beyond yourself. We need God's wisdom to help us to live a way that says, Lord, give me wisdom to navigate this tension and not live with a me first mentality. Some of the stuff that we've seen that was criticized is me first. That's not who we are. I want to read you a prayer by St. Francis of Assisi. Can I make a confession? I, um, I talked about pastors arguing about whether, whether they made the right church choice or not. A couple weeks ago, um, a minister, happened to be a female minister, so I kind of feel like I need to be a knight in shining armor, I guess. Um, asked for resources about liturgical prayers, which is you know, not the circle we run in. And that person got like, destroyed. And I, I picked a fight. She did not pick a fight. She was gracious and godly. And I just kind of came to her defense and said, hey, she's better than me. She's not fighting you. Let me, let me, and I, and, um, I totally murdered this dude. But uh, I don't know if it honored the Lord. But I was making a defense of liturgical prayers being recited together as a congregation. And I'm making this giant defense about the value of teaching people to pray better than their pastor prays, better than their own selfish prayers. I mean, I was, I was, so, I was prideful. Okay, listen, I understand. But as I wrote this long post, I stopped and said, wow, I just made a case for something we don't do, and maybe, maybe there's something to that. We're not going to become a liturgical church. But I do want to read this prayer to you. I'm going to put it up there so you can read it. Could you imagine us praying this together and meaning it? Not ritualistic, mindlessly reciting it, but meaning it. This is St. Francis of Assisi, someone who lived in a difficult time, someone who made an incredible impact in his world. I lived in Italy as a kid. I've been to the church in Assisi. Anyways, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. May that be true of us. 
this time, in this place. We're going to pray.